Well, we'll go ahead and uh, get started. Good morning, ladies. I am so very happy to see you all this morning and that you guys uh, came uh, to this workshop. Uh, I am thrilled and honored uh, to uh, be here. This is a stretch assignment for me. <laughs> I am being called out of my comfort zone of uh, sitting uh, and receiving. So I'm grateful for Pastor Karen um, and, uh, and Rachel. They are both uh, very dear to my heart, and I, um, I love uh, uh, everything that they're doing in this ministry and uh, all that they do to pour into the women um, in the community and in Res Life. So uh, just a little bit about me. Um, I am uh, a mother. My name's Natasha, first and foremost, Natasha. Um, I've been attending, attending Impact for about five years now. So I started coming about five years ago, and when I initially came, I was in a bad place. I was exceptionally broken um, and um, really uh, in need of uh, just being poured into uh, by, a woman, by women and being surrounded by other women. Um, I began to become very close with Pastor Karen at that time, and uh, she ministered to me in a way that caused me uh, to begin to heal. And I begin to come to a place of wholeness um, and begin to come to a place of seeing myself uh, through the eyes of God and how he had intended me for me to see me. Um, I'm a mother. I have a son. He'll be 21 in May. Um, <laughs> yes, and he is a student and working. So, um, so I am a, uh, an empty nester. Uh, so I, um, it's just me. I am not, uh, I'm single. Uh, so uh, I uh, am just uh, uh, living life right now, trying to figure out what is my next. <laughs> because now when your children leave the house, you're like, uh, what? You, you know, you've spent all your time raising them and making sure that they're good to go. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, what do I do now? Um, and so I'm just now in, the, uh, in a position where I am transitioning um, into my next and who God is calling to be calling me to be. Um, I work uh, in technology. I am a tech buff. I love technology. I work for the Geek Squad. I am a supervisor for them. Um, and uh, so I fix stuff. I fix computers. I'm one of those people who likes to, uh, to tinker around with computers and to analyze what's going on with them. So uh, that's a little bit about me. Um, oh, I do attend a, t a Kingdom Life. I am not a member of Res, Res Life, but I did uh, attend Res Life a number of years ago. Uh, but I attend Kingdom Life Ministries. It's uh, in Grand Rapids and uh, under the pastorship of uh, Daniel Parker. Uh, so, and I've been attending that church for about six years now, six or seven years now. Uh, so, uh, and I love it. It's an, an amazing ministry. Um, and so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. So, um, well, um, the subject um, that I've been exploring is the Father's heart. And the way that this subject came to me was in my own um, exploration of who I am in Christ and who I'm called to be. Um, I uh, was um, very, uh, as I stated, broken. Um, and I was praying one day, and the Father said to me, um, you only love what you can control. And I was like, um, what? <laughs> really? 
And he said, yeah, you only love what you can control. Um, and that revelation, that realization um, took me down a path of where he was showing me that because I only loved what I could control, I wouldn't submit to him as the father. Um, I would only submit to him as being a part of the Trinity, just being God. <laughs> I wouldn't, I didn't have close relationship with him. I didn't have, allow him, I didn't surrender. I didn't allow him into my heart because I was heavy in control. And I, I, it kind of shocked me because I felt like, you know, that's not me. I'm, I'm, you know, I love God. I'm, you know, it's God, God the Father. He's great. God is great. Um, and, but I began to realize uh, that he was right. There, a gentleman came to, uh, of course he was right, but <laughs> a gentleman came to, um, uh, um, uh, to one of our impact meetings, and he had us to do an exercise. He said, I want you to close your eyes. He says, you come to uh, Res Life, and you come to one of the women's meetings. There's no cars in the parking lot. No one's here. You walk in. The room is empty, and you see Jesus sitting in the middle of the room uh, in a chair, and he's waiting for you. And he says, what is your first reaction? And my first reaction was, well, all right, Jesus, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, wait, wait a minute, wait. Why are you here? What did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong? And then I begin to feel fear. And what he said was that this was kind of indicative of how we view God and what we struggle with in our relationship with the Father. Um, whatever our first reaction, whatever our first response was. And so I realized that instead of looking at God as a father, I was looking at him more as a punisher, somebody who only showed up when I did something wrong, uh, someone who only showed up if I needed to be corrected um, or if I uh, had gotten out of line. Um, and that was a, a, a great revelation for me because it allowed me to begin to intentionally seek the heart of the Father. Um, so we're going to explore this, uh, this subject over the next few weeks, um, and I hope that you're able to get some nuggets out of it um, and just um, how our views of God as the Father and how our relationships with our earthly fathers may in fact impact our views of our Heavenly Father. Um, so we, um, in that, I would ask a, a few questions. We're all daughters, right? We all have a natural father, every last one of us. None of us was born in with the, by the Holy Spirit. Nobody was hovered over. Everybody here has a father. So we all have a mom and dad. Um, so I want to start by asking you a few questions. Um, what is a father? So... If you think about what is a father, how do you, um, what does a father do? Uh, what do we get from a father? Um, what does a father mean to you? Who was your earthly father to you? And how is your relationship with him? Um, when you hear God the Father, what kind of response does it invoke in your heart? 
What kind of emotion rises up in you when you hear God the Father? Some of you, it may invoke, when you think about father, your earthly father, may invoke happy memories. You may be happy. You may be excited. My dad was the best. We did wonderful things together. He loved me. He, he was there for me. He taught me great things. For others, um, it may not invoke such a happy memory. Some of us may not have uh, a positive response. My dad was sick. My dad wasn't around. My dad rejected me. He didn't love me. Um, I'm sorry. So with that, how do you relate to your heavenly father as a result of how you see your natural father? Um, both have an impact on how we interact with him, how we see his heart, and how we respond to his love. So whether you had a positive reaction to your father or whether you have a negative, they, it impacts how you see your heavenly father, the view, the angle that you look at him. Um, and so how you begin to walk forward is um, how, I'm sorry, excuse me. <laughs> um, I looked up the definition of father. Okay, and so a father is defined as a man in relation to his child or his children. Okay, uh, the head of a family, a patriarch, um, and uh, uh, he's a disciplinarian, a protector, a caretaker. Um, he is a support, strength. Um, so when you look up father in the dictionary, he is the man that is in our life that gave us life, that we look to for direction, for strength, for protection, and covering. He's who we receive our identity from. Our name comes from our father. We're, we're named by our last name. Our, we come from our father. So he's, um, but our heavenly father is different because he's not a man. He's a spirit. And he is a uh, a father that sits high and look low. He's God. So when we think about a heavenly father, he's an invisible father. He's an invisible God. What do we think of about his love for us? And why is it that throughout the Bible, the main intention is for us to see God as the father? The Trinity, when you think of the Trinity, the first mentioned is the father. The Father, and then the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. And so it's important for us to see him as the Father, because outside of that, we're not able to full, get the full scope of what he's offering to us as our Heavenly Father. Um, so he is our Father, but he's also this omniscient, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-seeing, big, huge, almighty God. How do we look at him as the father? He's the God of creation. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He is the great I am. He is he who is and was and is to come. He is holy and righteous. He is good. He's a good, good father. How do we relate to that 
and our humanity? How do we relate to this huge God as a father when we ourselves may often not even feel worthy to receive that love? How is, uh, how is our vision of this great, huge, mighty God affecting our ability to receive love from him? So our earthly father and our heavenly father, um, they have similar roles in our life, very similar. And God wants us to see him um, as a father. And, and, and throughout the Bible, from the beginning to the end, we see him referred to as the heavenly father. And so why does he want us to see him as the father? What is uh, his heart for his children? What is his heart for uh, all of us that he's called that have been translated into the kingdom of God and that are now heirs and joint heirs? Who are we as children of God and him as our father? Um, and what do we get? by receiving him as God the Father? What are we now able to experience? Um, so we're able to answer these questions by looking at the Father's relationship with his son. So we are gonna explore a couple of things through just through his relationship with Jesus and how that relationship, his, him as the Father, Jesus as the Son, shows us and models for us how we are supposed to look at him as the Father. Um, so, uh, the, according to Colossians 1.15, um, uh, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Uh, so he's the head, all right? He's the, the firstborn. He is the first begotten son of, Jesus, of God. Um, and so, according to Romans 8.29, he was the firstborn of many brethren, we being the brethren. So, of course, Jesus is like big brother. He is uh, the first begotten son. He is our connection. Um, he is the one that was sent so that we are able to have access to the Father. Um, so, John 3.16, of course, everybody knows that, said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So when we are born again by believing on Jesus, um, we are become sons and daughters of Christ, or of God, I'm sorry, become sons and daughters. We become children of the Most High, and we receive his spirit at that time. And we are led by his spirit and adopted into the family of the beloved. So at that time, we are adopted into the family. And then that's what makes God the Father. Jesus died, we receive him, we believe on him, and then we're adopted into the family of God. And we become heirs and joint heirs of Christ. And that's very significant because as, at that point, we are no longer just children. We are heirs and joint heirs. We are now able to look at him in his perfect role because he's a perfect God and we're able to see him in his perfect role and receive from him in that capacity as a father, as the, uh, as the, the, the father who looks at us as his children and has bestowed upon us gifts and identities as a result of what we've received through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, and so... Um, 
this is an awesome thing um, because it gives us the capability of being able to interact with a heavenly father that wants to do things the same way he did for Christ for us. Um, it's said that because of the connection, we have a connection with a, a, an earthly father. There's no other Holy Spirit. There's no other son of God as far as we're talking about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. No other, so, but when we have God, Father, there is an earthly father. And that inhibits that relationship. It keeps us from saying, God, I look at you, I trust you, I need you, I submit to you. It can. It can be one of those things that hinders that. Um, so, as heirs and joint heirs, uh, Romans eight fourteen through 16 says, For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Galatians 4, 6 says, because ye are sons of God, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So what is this essentially saying? It's saying that just as in the natural that we are seeking a father and as we seek the, our father's heart, in the supernatural, we were created to have a craving for the heart of our heavenly father. Um, and Galatians 4, 6 says that we, as sons of God, he sent his spirit into our hearts that we cry out unto the father, Abba, Father. And so we know that by looking at the Abba, Father, Abba, Father was uh, actually a term of endearment. Um, back, in the, uh, back in that day when they were uh, talking about Abba Father, Abba uh, was actually an Aramaic word that meant father. So you hear about Abba Father three times in the Bible. It says, uh, and it's father, father. It's a, a place of intimacy. Um, it's uh, one of the most significant names of God um, in that it expresses how he relates to us as his people. It expresses how he looks at us. Um, it, 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 it gives us a, a, an affection, a confidence, and a trust. And it expresses the close, intimate relationship that a father has with his child. Um, and that a child has with their father. So it doubly emphasizes the fatherhood of God, is what Abba Father does. Um, and so by it being expressed in two languages, uh, we are assured of God's care for his children. We are able to cry out, Abba, Father. We're able to cry out to our Father who hears us. Um, I was uh, reading one time about, um, I, back when uh, Trump had 
uh, begin, and I'm, this is not political, so please don't, I'm not being political here, <laughs> but when all of the children uh, were being taken um, from their parents and um, uh, they were, you know, being uh, kept um, and separated from their parents. And one of the things um, I read, uh, I don't know if any of you are familiar with Brene Brown, but her husband, he's actually a, pre a pediatrician. Um, and um, as a pediatrician, he's trained to know the different cries of children. Um, he knows, uh, he hears a, if he hears a baby cry, he's like, ooh, that baby is hungry. Or he hears another cry, and he's like, ooh, that baby is tired. Or ooh, he hears another cry, he says, ooh, that baby is mad. But he wanted to, Brene Brown's husband, he wanted to go to uh, these uh, camps where these children were being kept. And he was very, very passionate. And she was like, she was saying, okay, you know, well, what, what's going on? And she said uh, that he told her that I need to go because the cries that I hear coming from these children are cries of trauma and cries of grief. And... It's the same with our Heavenly Father. When we cry, he knows our hearts. He bottles up our tears, and he knows his children. He knows our cries, even our cries. Like all throughout the Bible, we hear that God responds to cries because as his children, he knows when there's something that's paining us, that's hurting us, that's impacting us, that's affecting us. And I believe it's in, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, 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 don't, I don't remember the exact scripture that that came from, but it talks about God bottling up our tears. And it was David that was speaking of this, bottling up our tears. Um, Jesus, when he wept, and crying is a form of intercession, of, of connecting with our God, of opening his heart to what's impacting us so that he can come and be that help that we need him to be. And I'm sorry, I just got a little sidetracked with that, but um, that uh, is, it's a very, very important thing to remember that anything that impacts us, that God as our father, he is there and that he, there's not one thing that he misses as it pertains to us, even our tears that we cry, he is able to answer everything that impacts us and that affects us, uh, whether it be good or bad. Um, so how does he um, express his love for us? Um, how does God show us his fatherhood? How does he show us his heart? Um, there's two scriptures um, in the Bible that talk about, in the New Testament actually, only in the New Testament, two scriptures, and God uh, actually spoke audibly. Both times were when they were confirming Jesus, okay? Those were the two, there were only two times in the New Testament that he spoke, and both times they were confirming Jesus. Um, so the first account was um, in Matthew 3.17, um, when he said, when Jesus was baptized, he went to the Jordan and he was baptized. And um, the voice from heaven um, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine being there for that? You hear something, you hear a voice coming from the sky. What if that happened today? It would be on YouTube, Facebook, 
Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't real. That was, uh, that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Did that really happen? All the negative, all the comments that would be on there. Yeah, really? I was there. It didn't happen like that. But anywho, <laughs> I digress. But anyway, yes, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Um, the second is Matthew 7, 17, 5, um, where he says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And that was when they were, when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus had went up to the mountain, uh, just taken a few of the disciples with him, and uh, and God, and he, there appeared Moses and uh, Elijah, and, you know, when this happened, you know, Peter was like, what is going on? Like, what do I do? Because they hear the Father's voice confirming Jesus, and they hear the Father's voice telling them who Jesus was and speaking of his love for Jesus. Um, So what does that tell us about our relationship with God and how God speaks over us? In those those two scriptures, we we see a couple of things. The first thing that God does um, is he shows us identity. So in our God the Father, He wants us to know who we are as children of God. He wants to reveal to us our identity in him. So what he said is, this is my son. We're we're his daughters. (laughs) But he said, this is my son. This is my child. And God wants us to see ourselves as his children. So we have... Now, in God, a new spiritual heritage, spiritual DNA, a new, we become born again, we are no longer, we are now children of God, and we receive, um, as a result of being engrafted and adopted into his family, we now have the identity of being children of the Most High. It entitles us to many benefits. So our identity in him begins to allow us to see ourselves, not through eyes of flesh, but through the eyes of a heavenly father who is able to also show our identity to others, to commend us to others as he did Christ. Um, So to be a child of the the Most High also uh, causes us to receive spiritual blessings in heavenly places in our identity in him. We're able to receive those things. It empowers us to overcome our past. We are no longer, when we become born again, we are no longer, uh, 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 the past is gone and all things become new. We're born again. We are born into the body. We're born into uh, being a believer. We are born again. So we become as, as babes, right? We're babes in the word. If, when, no matter how old we are when we become born again, we, we're new. We are new creatures. Behold, the old has passed away. We are new creatures in Christ. And God the Father is now our heavenly Father. And so um, we know that in our earthly fathers, that we receive our DNA, our genealogy, our names, as I mentioned earlier. And all of these things we get also from God when we are born again and we're born into the family of God. 
We receive every last one of those things. We receive a new spirit, we receive a new heritage because now we are walking into a new spiritual identity. We receive a new name because now we are, we are called children of God and joint heirs of Christ. Um, but we also are able to receive who we are in the kingdom. Um, so it's interesting to me that the first thing that happened after Jesus was commended by God and then God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He was led into the wilderness by the spirit and the enemy began to test his identity as the son of God. If you're really God. And doesn't he do that to us? If you're really a daughter of the most high, you wouldn't act like that. You wouldn't say things like that. If you were really born again, you wouldn't do that. The first thing and the biggest thing and the most major thing that the enemy always attacks is our identity. Because it is the most important thing that we possess as believers. We as believers, as children of the Most High, as having a heavenly father, that identity gives us power and authority. So the enemy always will fight against that. And why? Because it's the first thing he fought against with Jesus. The servants are no greater than the master, right? So always going to attack our identity. But we are rooted and planted in our identity with Christ. Um, Knowing his identity enabled him to overcome every attack that he experienced. Um, so when he was in the wilderness and he received those attacks against his identity, he was able to say, it is written. You know, it is written. He was able to overcome it because he knew who he was. He knew who he was created to be. And he knew for what purpose he was born. He had come into the world to be a light. Uh, and he was the word. So how can you try, that this is just me, okay. How can you try the word of God? Like Jesus is the word manifested in the flesh. How can the enemy really think that he can overcome the word with false word? Anywho, that's another thing. <laughs> um, but so identity. That's one of the first things that we get. Um, and so Jesus, when he spoke to us, uh, he spoke in John 14, 16, and he, when he was, uh, he is the way and the light and the truth, and no man comes unto the Father except through him. So when we're born again and we come into the kingdom of light, we're able to receive our identity as children of God and coming to the Father by way of Jesus. So the second thing that, um, so the, the biggest thing is if we struggle with our identity for whatever reason, um, God roots you in truth of who you are. The word of God gives you your identity. Nothing less, nothing more. Um, so no matter your past, no matter your relationship with your earthly father. And I think I need to say that uh, next week or that uh, I'm going to kind of go over some of the things that are contrary to the heart of God or contrary our hearts being not looking at ourselves as children of God, but uh, or maybe not looking at ourselves properly because uh, I know I kind of keep kind of mentioning some things, but um, 
God has an ability to overcome our past, to overcome our earthly relationships with our Father, and to create in us who he has called us to be as God, as his children and children of the Most High. Um, so what's the next thing that we get from him? He, we get great love. The second thing that he said, this is my son, whom I love. And so this love should bring security. It should bring into us, um, it should allow us to receive this great love from him. It should allow us to feel safe, knowing that his love is able to protect us, to guard us, to keep us, to guide us. His love surrounds us. It keeps us secure. We're safe in it. We never have to question his love. God so loved the world. I know I already said this, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the word love in that, in that regards is agape love. And it's the great love that God has for his creation. It's the great love that God extends to all of us, that he loved us so much unconditionally that he sent his son to die for us. And so in that love, in that agape love, in that love that he has for his creation, we are over, able to overcome any accusation because we can stand firm, planted, knowing that we are secure in his love and that nothing can take us from his hand. It talks about, the Bible says that he knows every hair on our head. He, his, our, our names are tattooed on his hands. His love for us is deep. It, 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 one of the scriptures says, uh, I pray that you would be able to comprehend the depth, the width, the height, and the length of the, that the love, that God's love, has, that God has for you, his love for you. His love runs deep. And it is uh, immeasurable. Um, it can be hard for some people to receive that love, um, especially if they've been rejected by an earthly father or if they didn't have an earthly father. It can be hard to receive love. You can, uh, uh, myself, I'll have a, a, a transparent moment. Um, I didn't know how to receive the father's love because my father was a, a war veteran. So he fought in the war. And uh, he was there, he was in the house, but he was emotionally unavailable. He was there. So I didn't connect with him. He was a provider, he provided. Like we never had a want for anything, but I didn't connect with him on a love level. Um, and so that hindered my ability to see God as a father of love. I, was, I saw him as, okay, you know, you're there, just like I saw my father. Okay, he's here. He's there. If I need him, you know, I can go to him. But I didn't have intimate relationship with him because I didn't have intimate relationship with my earthly father. You know, and so I, um, I, I it, it, it inhibited me, it kept me from, because I didn't think anything was wrong with that. You know, how do I receive love? 
because my love, my vision of what love was from a father was impaired. So I thought I was okay. <laughs> like, how is this wrong? But I wasn't okay. I was, uh, and, and that's what God began to reveal to me. He began to show me through his eyes what love of the father really is as a result of uh, me recognizing that, oh, okay, well, maybe this isn't right. You know? So when your norm is abnormal, what do you do when you don't know it as abnormal? You know what I'm saying? When you don't even see it as abnormal, when it's just your way, it's how you lived, it's how you grew up, it's what the relationships that you had. When, it, when your norm is abnormal and nobody else has told you that it's abnormal, <laughs> it's right to you. And so that's how you relate. That's how you move forward. That's how you go forth. And that's how you, um, that's how, that's why, of course, he's the father of lights and that's how he exposes and reveals by his spirit. Okay, daughter, I gotta fix this because I need you to see me as father, and you are just seeing me as a corrector, because that's really kind of all, I mean, he was there, he corrected us, he was, you know, he was the corrector. <laughs> so, at any rate, um, daddy issues are, are real, and, you know, one of those things, you hear people talk about daddy issues, like, you know, she's got daddy issues. And daddy issues will impact your relationship with the father and your ability to see him as heavenly father. Um, so um, his fierce, passionate love for us will overcome our past and our proclivities with our natural fathers um, and address the brokenness in us that we may not always even be aware of. Um, the next thing that Jesus said, that God said about Jesus with, with, was, this is my son whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. So at that point, he received affirmation and acceptance. God's heart for us is that we know that we're accepted in the beloved, that we know that we are, that he is well pleased with us, that we don't have to earn his love, that there's nothing that we can do to earn the love of the Father. He just bestows it upon us graciously because he's a loving God, because he's a mighty God, and because he wants us to receive that love from him and to, and to, uh, uh, and to know that we are accepted, we are affirmed, um, and that we are secure. We don't... Um, we all, don't we all desire to hear God say he's proud of us? Don't we want him to affirm us? Don't we want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Don't we want to stand before him and say, you know, God, I want to do, we, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be who you want me to be. And God says, I created you. I know you're beginning from your end. I know the thoughts that I have from you, thoughts of good and not of evil, and to bring you to an expected end. I know who you are. And I affirm you as my daughter. I affirm you and accept you as just being mine. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to try to get it. I give it to you freely. So freely you receive. So freely you give. Give that love that I'm giving to you to others. And that's what separates us, of course, from the world because they know us by our love. And they know us by the love that we've received from our Father and that he's bestowed upon us. Um, the next thing um, that we see, of course, is that God says, on, in the last one, he says, um, listen to him. 
listen to Jesus. And Jesus' purpose, of course, he was birthed uh, to uh, come into the world to overcome sin and to save the world. And one of the things that we definitely are going to receive from the Father is purpose. Outside of that affirmation, outside of that love, outside of that identity, we receive purpose. We are able to recognize the gifts, the talents, and the anointings that God has bestowed upon us as his children and what he's sending us out to do into the world because he sent Jesus out and he's also sending us out. He wants us to be salt and light. He wants us to be uh, an expression of his love. He wants us to be the, his hands and feet and he wants us to, uh, uh, he wants people to see him in us. So his gifts are good. The Bible says the gifts of God are without repentance. So we all have gifts and we all have talents and we all have a, 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 an anointing on us that God wants to use for his glory and for his kingdom. Um, every good and perfect gift, it comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. So we know that his good gifts are to be used for the kingdom and that they will make a way, they will... Uh, create opportunities for us to grow into who he's called us to be. So when God talks about gifts in the Bible, he, 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 there, was, there was one verse that he talked about, and um, he, he said he gives us good gifts. We can come to him and ask whatever it is that we need. His heart of love for us says, there is nothing that we might need. There's nothing that we can't ask him for. Whatever it is that we need, whether it be a, a, a need, of a, a financial need, a, a health need, we can come to him because he is going to provide for us. And he says, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much shall your father who is in heaven get good, good, give good things to them who ask? So we can ask and receive. We can ask and we can receive from God because he wants to give us good gifts. And we, he wants us to experience him and his heart as a giver, not only of his love, but of gifts that we can use as we go forward day to day. So I was just told that we got five minutes left, so I'm going to wrap this up. But that was just kind of a foundation of who is the Father and what is our identity in him. And next week what I really kind of plan on doing is, is, is going into how our earthly fathers and how our wrong vision of ourselves may impact our relationship, our ability to receive love from the Father our ability to see ourselves um, in the light of the gospel, of what God has called us to be, and how we can receive healing from our wounds um, so that we can receive that love and so that we can have um, a greater revelation of his love. And our hearts can be enlarged, that love would abound in our hearts for him and that he would be, uh, that, he, that our love would be abound and that his love would be abound on us as well, that we would be able to experience it.